Welcome to Sports, Screens, and Something Else. Join two friends as they give their unfiltered opinions on the world of sports, the entertainment industry, and a little bit of something else. And now, your hosts, Will Dickerson and Trevor Pace. One more time, bam, 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 bam. One more time, bam, bam, bam. I don't think I like your new intros. <laughs> Why? That's the second week <laughs> you've sung us in or done some it's, musical. Uh-huh. It's the first Daft Punk one, though. Okay. All right. <laughs> Rest in peace, Daft Punk. I love you forever. I'm very sad you're not a band anymore. You know, it's two French guys. This is a really weird cold <laughs> open. I didn't know they were French <laughs> until like a year ago. It almost made me not like them anymore. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that. So anyway. Hey. <laughs> Trevor, it's so yeah. good to see you. Oh my gosh. It's so good to see you, Will. I'm glad you can put up with my singing intros, at least for the time being. A lot of times I don't even think of what to I do. I just don't know where to go with that. <laughs> I think where we went, that's exactly where you go with that. <laughs> Moving on. Hey. Yeah. Trevor. Yes. Happy National Bathtub Day. <laughs> Happy National Bathtub I'm Day. I'm really glad you picked this holiday for yeah. today. Well, it's for you <laughs> especially, yes. Uh, I love tubs. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you love a good bath. And at the end of every day, I take a bath. Yes. We've talked about this on this podcast. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like a jerk. I mean, I'm a jerk normally, but I felt like a jerk after because I made fun of you for taking a bath. Hey, man. Um, it's okay. I mean, I'm a confident I don't take being. anything back what I said. <laughs> oh, I, sure. I mean, everything was true, uh-huh. but I still feel bad about it. Well, I only cried for like an hour, so <laughs> <Right>. we're fine. <laughs> so... Will, I don't know if you knew this about your beloved bath uh, bath pastime. Okay. But uh, I said that bathing, or bathing, excuse me, I can't read. Bathing, uh, also known as Will Dickerson's favorite pastime, mm. has been around for some time. <laughs> I imagine that's true, yeah. Uh, documented early plumbing systems for bathing go back as far as around 3300 BC. Whoa. That is... Quite some time. That's crazy. With the discovery of copper water pipes beneath a palace in ancient Europe. You know, a lot of times we think that we're so much smarter than everybody else. But a dude in 3300 BC was using copper to get water in his house. I know. Isn't that crazy? Right. Uh, So evidence of the earliest surviving personal size bathtub was found on the Isle of Crete. Where a 1.5 meter or 5 feet uh, long pedestal tub was found built from hardened pottery. Pretty cool, huh? Okay. In fact, the the, um, pedestal tubs was very... I mean, that was like the style of tub for a long time. Oh, yeah. Well, the the Greeks... Of which Crete are a member, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They had public bathhouses and stuff all the time. Yeah. So there are two main styles of bathtubs, uh, Western style bathtubs in which the bather li- uh, lies down. Uh, these baths are typically shallow and long. Uh, Eastern style bathtubs, however, uh, are where the bather sits up. 
These are known as furrow in Japan and also typically Ooh. are short and deep. So, so like, more like the the actual tub kind of thing, like more rounded, uh, wooden sometimes. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they might go, uh, if, if sitting in, it might go up to your shoulders or something like that. Well, and like uh, geri- some geriatric people mm-hmm. uh, who ha- would have a hard time getting out of a bathtub, a mm-hmm. traditional bathtub, mm-hmm. they get the sitting up ones installed, like yeah. with a door on the side. Yeah, right. And that way they can bathe or shower and not have to worry about slipping right. and things. So. Right. Similar vein, perhaps. All right. Well, Will, uh, you are in good company with all those other people <laughs> celebrating uh, National Bathtub Day. So I, I I join people from 5,000 years ago and enjoy my baths. Yes. That's great. Well, Trevor, if you're ready, I'm super pumped to get into sports. Unless you want to talk more about Daft Punk, then <laughs> yes. One day, Trevor. Okay. One day. All right. Sports. <laughs> All right, Trevor. So you and I watched the BYU-Utah State game. We did. Uh, on Friday. Yeah, yeah. go, go Cougs. Uh, Utah State hurt another quarterback. Uh, as they have uh, been known I saw to do. seven out of the last ten times we played them, they've hurt our quarterback. It's insane. Yeah, why would we play those dirty, <laughs> I don't know. rotten... But that's not the point of my topic today. My topic today is stupid stuff that broadcasters say. I love this topic. (laughs) I love it because not only do I like to complain Mm -hmm. as a as my personal pastime, but I can't believe we didn't talk about this already. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of the most annoying things that every sports viewer hates. Absolutely, and they're so common. In fact. It is probably more difficult to name good broadcasters right. than to, to list the number of bad ones. It's much more common to have a bad broadcaster. The only one I actually enjoy listening to is probably Tony Romo, which is why he's now the highest paid broadcaster in history. Mm. But he actually will break down a play on why it worked or why it didn't work or why that where that person should have been. On that big play and, and I think things Pey- like that. Peyton Manning is getting into broadcasting. I've heard now. his are good. I haven't seen his and, and Eli's. Yeah, and from exactly from what I've heard, they're good, and for similar reasons right. that they bring insight that other broadcasters typically do not bring. Right, and we're going to talk about the lack of insight exactly today. So. I came up with a list. I grabbed these from all over the internet, okay, um, and stuff from my memory banks, okay, of. Crap that I hate that when broadcasters say it. In fact, they say it so often that I know what they mean, but they don't understand the words they're saying are nonsense or they don't mean anything. Sure. For example, uh, a team's in the red zone, right? Okay. And the broadcaster says, man, these guys really want to score here. Right. Well, no freaking duh. Yeah. <laughs> What team doesn't want to score in the red right. zone? That comment is going back. The comment doesn't bring any insight Correct. into the situation. You're not. This is brand new information. <laughs> the whole point of the game is to score. Right. So saying and they want to score here 
means nothing. Yeah, and how do you gauge that? Right. Like how like <laughs> they really want to score here. Like right. is that more than usual? Like and how how are you able to determine that they really want to score? Yeah. If a team doesn't score, <laughs> is it because they didn't want to score? I like, guess there it, are Can everything be ch- I mean, <laughs> is it possible that a team was just unmotivated and you know, just kind of gave up on a play or gave up on a down or a series of downs. Yeah, that's totally possible. Right. But to say that they really, really want it here, and, and that would at least be some insight. Hey, these guys are looking sluggish. They look like they're uninterested. They don't care. They've given up on the game. That's at least some observation into what's happening. Or but sh- to say that they really want it. How is that gauge? Right. How is that like? In fact, another thing that broadcasters say a lot is, "Well, they just wanted it more." How do you know that 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 team wanted it more? Yeah. If if both of them are playing as hard as they can, how could you tell that one wanted it more? Yeah. It's more interesting to say this guy gave up on the play and circle him and show him just walking instead of running to the ball. Right. right? So like a fumble happens. We've seen that before with oh, yeah. uh, in in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Newton. Cam Newton fumbles the ball. They he kind of like gave this half hearted effort to retrieve the ball. It looked like he almost pulled away actually because he was worried about getting hit and uh, lost the ball. You can make a comment there that this person clearly didn't want it and this one did. Right. But as a generic cliche that's overused, that doesn't really bring any insight, right? Right. Um, here's another one that I saw while I was watching the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game this past week. I was rooting on my fellow Big 12-er. Uh, this player grew up really close to Cincinnati, so he knows the team really well. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Because he grew up in vicinity of the city? Yes. He somehow knows their offense? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that the implication? <laughs> yes. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, we saw this a lot locally with uh, Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. and that he grew up as a B or as a Utah fan, and now he's going to BYU. Like that was part of every pregame and even like during the game mm-hmm. conversation of like he. I don't know if you knew this, but he always wanted to be. He wanted to play for Utah, <laughs> but uh, now he's playing for the the other team, and uh, it's like yes, like you. So how, what? Well, who, yeah, what insight have you given into this <laughs> person? Mm-hmm. Like. He, you may as well tell me that growing up he he rooted for the Broncos and uh, and therefore now he roots for the 49ers. It doesn't matter. And somehow that helps him as a 49er play football. <laughs> right. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> yes. Like just because you liked a team or grew up near a team does not mean you know anything about the team. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean you can play defense better. It doesn't mean you can play offense better. Right. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not so dumb. pertinent to the game. It, 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 it's dumb. It like is. in no way is that transitive. Uh, this is one that's used a lot in basketball that I hate. <laughs> sneaky athleticism. Sneaky athleticism. What does sneaky athleticism I don't, look like? That's that's what I mean. Like. There are clearly players. I think it means typically that he's white. Of course. So it's a, it's only it's, a, <laughs> it's only used for white <laughs> players, right? Uh, they've talked about. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I just 
there are players that are clearly more athletic, right? Right. No one's going to mistake Donovan Mitchell's athleticism for Joe Ingles' right. athleticism. But that's the thing, is is Joe Ingles actually doesn't look like somebody who would be athletic. Correct. Um, but I don't know if... But players sneaky... are more athletic or less. Yes, correct. One less can't sneaky. be sneaky. Yeah, correct. <laughs> like, correct. that's the part that I don't correct. get. Correct, correct. So you could say... I would even say that. Um, Does it mean surprisingly surprise, athletic? I, that's perhaps what it is. Like like Joe Ingles, but I don't think that Joe Ingles is surprisingly athletic. I don't think he's athletic at all. No, no, no. But Jokic is. Like he's a big derpy dude. Like he looks like uh, uh, Bogdan Bogdan Bojan, Bojan Bogdanovic. Yes, for the, uh, for the Mavericks. Jets. Oh, okay. no, the big big dude oh, okay, okay, that okay. looks like. Kind of an ogre. Right, 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 right. Bogdan or whatever his name is. Okay. Anyway, he looks big and lurpy like that, but he has guard-like skills. Okay. Jokic does. Right. To you me, say, that is surprising athleticism. You could say even that he's very athletic for a tall guy, like right. a center. Like, because mm-hmm. you typically don't see athleticism. Or Anthony Davis is one like but that. But yeah, but sneaky athleticism, it's not really a, it a doesn't determinable mean uh, comment. Yes. To exactly. your point, it's usually... Uh, geared towards one certain thing, but I just hate the term. I, change it to surprising athleticism, that someone doesn't look like they could do that, but they can. But sneaky is not a word you should pair with athletic. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, another one that I hate is, um, they'll call that every time. This is one that I saw when I was watching the Bengals game. Okay. They said, he grabbed his shoulder, and he turned it around, and you see the jersey pull. They'll they'll call that every time. They literally don't. <laughs> I have seen that several times in person. Yes. That it is not called during this game. Exactly. In fact, uh, because it happens that often. Uh, yeah, they call it every time. I think. So, what do you think happens? Do you think that? broadcasters are just susceptible to cliches. I mean, they're talking for hours at right. a time. They're susceptible to using these cliches because they themselves have heard them when watching games. Yes. And then it just becomes this like cyclical, like uh rehash of, of saying these same cliches I, that, that I, almost without even thinking about it. Oh yeah. Like I'm sure you've said like, We've talked about even in this podcast that I've noticed that I say certain phrases without unintentionally, without even thinking about it. And as a broadcaster, do you think that that's what's happening? Oh yeah. For example, I I myself have said the phrase "establish the run." We've got to establish the run. What does that mean exactly? Like it doesn't give any insight. It's not instructional. Well, there's a difference between you you saying this to to me right. while we're watching the game. I understand because I know what you are implying. Exactly. I know what you are trying to communicate. As a broadcaster, though, your job is to talk to the every fan. You to, right. to even the the unknowing first time watcher. Even like you're supposed to break. Your job is to illustrate and communicate much more effectively than you or I would be in our sitting down on the couch watching it right. in our home. For example, I like Sunday night football because Kyle Collinsworth, not Kyle Collinsworth, Chris Collinsworth, excuse me, 
and Al Davis, I feel like, do a good job at that. Okay. Um, a lot of people hate Chris Collinsworth, but I really like that. But anyway, I think that people who become sports broadcasters are sports fans. Mm. And we have heard these things over and over for so long that they mean something to us. Yeah. Like, establish the run means something to me. But if I said that to my wife, oh, these guys have to establish the run. She'd be like, what the heck do you mean? Right. Like, it's it's not meaningful in and of itself. Right. So I think broadcasters need... There's some stuff they just shouldn't say. Sneaky athleticism, never say that again. Yes. But some things you have to realize are cliches and maybe do a better job of explaining what you mean. I think that would go for a better product for all broadcasts. I agree. Anyway, let's move on to your topic. Okay. Well, I've been thinking, uh, this is something that's kind of been out of the news recently, but for a long time, uh, about 15 years ago, I felt like it was the only thing in the sports news. And that, that was steroids. Oh, yeah. When's the last time you heard about steroids? Last time, it was like a big deal. I remember Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa going for the home run record. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. And then they got called a few years after. They were called before Congress. Right. That, which I still don't understand. But... Uh, they had to testify in front of the United States Congress on whether or not they were using steroids. Yeah, I can't remember how far back it was, but I feel like it would have been between 15 and 10 years, 10 and 15 years ago, that um, uh, Armstrong, the, uh, the Lance Armstrong. Oh, Lance. Uh, yeah, his was, was blood doping, right? Was it blood doping? I can't remember exactly. There I was some performance enhancing I thought something. he had done steroids as well, but... The the point is, it's been a while since we've heard about steroids yeah, yeah. in in the sports news and sports world. Uh, but I wanted to ask you: uh, There's lots of players, especially in the um, Barry Bonds, in, maybe the most recent in in the MLB, yeah. in Major League Baseball, that will not get into the Hall of Fame as it currently stands because. They uh, tested positive for steroids. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask, do you think that steroids should be legalized in sports? A lot of the reason why, of course, uh, leagues don't think it should be allowed is that because it can give an unfair advantage to those that are using steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's If it's legalized for everyone, though, then the availability is uh fair uh it's it's even but i but i was curious first off i guess there's not much of a debate as if steroids help right steroids obviously obviously help or they wouldn't take them right i guess my question though is are there other advantages in sports uh that players can use right now that they currently give them an unfair advantage similar to steroid use. Yeah, in fact, um, this is an interesting use case. I think we've talked about this, but Simone Biles was in Japan Mm -hmm. for the Olympics, and she has an ADHD medication that she's taken since she was like nine or something that has uh, helped her with school and everything else. And that substance is banned in Japan, and it obviously impacted her performance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That she couldn't take this medicine. 
So would you consider that a performance enhancing drug? Right. Like uh, to to answer, I, I think it would I, for I, her. But certainly, yeah. In, in that in that sense, it is a performance enhancing enhancing drug. Yeah. In fact, I would think even probably the general person taking that medicine uh, medication might be able to focus more. I Correct. mean, why wouldn't they? In and, fact, normal people in college they'll take Adderall when studying for tests yes. and stuff, right? Yeah. Because it helps them study. It does. Yeah. Um, there are golfers, for example, that need corrective LASIK surgery because right. they have bad eyesight. Yeah. But they take it up a notch and right. they opt in for like a 2010 vision. Uh, yes. Which helps them see better. I was going to ask you about this because in a lot of cases, um, even just with normal LASIK, you'll get uh, 2015 mm -hmm. vision, which is better than what is a standard vision. And... Is it is it is LASIK uh, performance enhance? Is it an unfair advantage to those that are wearing glasses or contacts? You know, like I wear contacts. Sometimes my contacts get um, uh, jumbled or whatever, and when I'm playing, they'll they'll uh, twist, and I have to like sit there and refocus them. Or sometimes your eyes get dry. Yeah, and, and I've seen a lot of basketball games where someone will uh, lose a contact. Yes, and they got to stop the whole game. Yes. right. Yeah. So compared to that, why isn't LASIK considered an unfair mm -hmm. advantage? Um. So I, I was looking into this. Uh, did you know that Kobe Bryant, uh, when he was playing, he went to Germany to get a non-FDA-approved procedure on his knees called platelet-rich plasma therapy. Did you remember hearing about this? No. Is this after he tore his ACL? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And he said, uh, which is when they enrich your blood by putting it in a centrifuge and then inject it into the body part that you want to get stronger. Oh, okay. So they separate the platelets and then put the extra platelets straight into the injured area. Correct. Okay. And the result... And arguably, his stats got better the following year, and he played more minutes mm. on his knees. He said that it, it, he contributed his knees uh, being revitalized to this procedure. Uh, he called it his knee steroids. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of... Maybe you'd find a better name for it. But Have you ever heard of CVAC pods? No. Mm -mm. Uh, Is that like or, hyperbolic? Or hyperbaric chambers? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, allegedly, so in these, uh, athletes can use, they allegedly increase the oxygen absorption in the blood by, uh, simulating changes in altitude, uh, thus speeding muscle recovery. Oh, okay. So it, it'll fake you being in high elevation right. to increase your red blood cells. Exactly. Okay. okay. And make you heal like quicker. like sh short-term blood doping. Right. Okay. Exactly. So... <laughs> <laughs> My question is, these are considered legal. These are considered okay. Are they unfair advantages? And are they uh, are they any different than taking steroids? There's a lot of stuff like this. For example, if I tear a ligament in my knee, I'm allowed to go get HGH therapy, right? Because mm -hmm. it will help me heal faster, right. right? But a player couldn't do it. Because the league has decided that it to be so. Right. 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 Uh, other banned substances. Uh, people, 
I know, th- in fact, this is a hot button issue still. There are players that would rather opt into uh, CBD or some type of medical marijuana for pain rather than taking opiates for painkillers because sure. they think it's safer and less addictive, right? Well, it possibly is. very Quite possibly it is. So, And we see a lot of ex-NFL players, ex-college players end up getting into drugs. Think yeah. Max Hall, right? Uh-huh, right? Because they got so used to taking opiates in college. Right. Where it could have been safer for using the other. But opiates are allowed and medical marijuana isn't in the NBA, in the NFL, and all those things. Right. It seems like a lot of the things that are allowed and aren't allowed are arbitrary. And they aren't... They aren't re-examined they often re-examined. enough. Yes, absolutely. Often enough. They'd say, that's banned, and they'll never look at it again. Right. What, so, what are your thoughts on steroids? Do I think, you think that steroids should be legalized yes. in sports? Now, I don't think that players should be allowed to go get something super crazy that's super illegal, mm-hmm. like stem cells from the back of a tiger or something crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But saying, like, okay, these... 20 things are have been tested, they're safe, they do increase your muscle uh, regrowth, they stimulate uh, ligament action or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. As long as it's quote-unquote safe for everybody to use, meaning they're not going to die by taking it, the risks are clearly laid out. Like, these are some side effects you may mm-hmm. experience, and it's available for everybody mm-hmm. i'm i have no problem with it i don't care if you were if you were a football player and uh steroids were legalized would you take it am i trying to have kids or not <laughs> you're not having kids <laughs> okay if i'm not having kids and if i was hurt i think i would okay uh to increase the um the recovery mm. but I, as a human being, also realize that people who are on steroids often enough, steroid rage is a is a real thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want that to be a risk in my family. So I'd probably only... What about HGH? Because that is different than steroids, right? HGH I'd take all day. I think that's <laughs> fantastic, right? Imagine not being sore anymore, Trevor. I... I rolled my ankle today, oh. and all I can think about is just taking some HGH <laughs> right now. <laughs> Squirt it right in there. But that's that's another thing. We can take cor- players can get cortisone shots, but they yeah. can't get HGH. Uh, yeah, HGH would actually help them recover, and then they wouldn't need shots anymore. This is true. I'm just some uh, to some me good things to think about. Now I I understand the concern in the sporting community is that once we open that door. It's a Pandora's it, box. And then... It'll open up into all this other stuff. Uh, there's going to be some externalities we're not thinking about, which is most certainly true. And every record that was once held by somebody will be obliterated. Yeah, and it would have, it would have to be its own, like the steroid era, exactly like its own its own category almost. Like yeah. uh, um, your home run records, they'd be in the hundreds. Oh sure, like instead of the sixties, right? It'd, right. it'd be. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Well, uh, that ends our sports section. You ready to move on to screens? Let's do it. Screens. Trevor, I've been thinking a lot about heist movies lately. 
I okay. I love a good heist movie. Who doesn't love a good heist movie? <laughs> what is it about heist movies that you think are so appealing? I think heist movies are great because well, first off, what's not to like about a heist movie? Heist <laughs> movies there, are so great. Is there anything you don't want to do more than, than a heist? More than rob a bank or something? <laughs> With a I, band of buddies? Yes. I think um, heist movies are great because there's strategy. Mm-hmm. There's the – oftentimes the you you know the good guys against the bad guy and they're trying to retrieve this thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's – we want to see the good guys win. We want to see the bad guy lose. And doing it in a heist way is so satisfying because it it's 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 not just revenge. It's like it's it's a step above, right? right? Like any any person could walk in and just shoot somebody, Correct. right? To 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 perform a heist, there has to be an intellectual like checkmate. Correct. You know, is there's there's chess being played with a with a heist, and I, I think that's really satisfying. Yeah, I think a great heist heist movie has to be smart. Oh, right? absolutely. Uh, Have you seen dumb heist movies? So I wanted to go over some heist movies that I thought were really bad. Okay. Kind of why they're bad, yeah, and then get into the great ones and why they're great, but. For example, Army of the Dead is okay. one that just came out. Yes. And it's not a bad movie. No. It's a movie. It's a it's bad a, heist movie. It's a terrible heist movie. <laughs> because everything goes exactly according to plan. Minus zombies show up sometimes. Right. But as far as thinking through the plan, that was done for them. Right. Like when they show up, the guy tells them exactly what to do. Right. And they just go through those motions. Right. There's no them scoping out the joint. Right. There's no them conning this guy for info. Right. There's no setup. There's no turn. Right. It's just this is the story beats that are going to happen. Right. And that's a dumb heist. I shouldn't even say it's a good movie. I should say it's an entertaining movie. Yeah. But... I agree. The, we've and you and I have talked about that movie and how it's it's got more holes than Swiss cheese. <laughs> oh my gosh. But there are some good things to like about that movie, but mm. you're right. As a as a heist movie, it it has much left to be desired. Um but yeah, so compare that okay. with something like Ocean's 11, which is of course Probably one of the best heist movies. It's amazing. The original was good, but the remake with uh, Brad Pitt and George Clooney and uh, Don Cheadle, Matt Damon. All those people. So, so good. It's very good. And it's because they figure out how to set up the heist and bring you along the journey of figuring it out. Right. They help you feel smart. Right. Right. While they are figuring it out. And I think that is an essential part of the heist movie. I, you can't just tell me what you're going to do. Right. Show me how you figured out what to do. Well. And make me feel like I'm part of the team. Yes, but also for a good heist movie, I'll say that I feel like a little bit still has to be uh, a mystery. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we – the great thing about Ocean's Eleven – because it's not just a heist movie, but it's also a con movie, yeah. right? They don't just steal the money. They're also performing a, a whole con against uh, um, 
is it Andy Garcia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the rest of their own team. And the right? rest of their own team. Right. Even there's even people inside the team that aren't sure what's all going on. Um, and you as an audience member, when you're watching it, you're thinking that, that they weren't successful or that something got, had, had gone wrong. But actually that was all part of the plan. Right. You know, like that, that's a smart, Heist movie. I think that's why that one is so satisfying. In fact, I'm glad we brought up uh, the different people on the team because mm-hmm. I think that is an essential part of a good heist movie. Right. Um, Ocean's Eleven has a lot of really interesting characters. Right. They had a specific job. Right. Right. That right. is well defined, yep. and they did it in an entertaining way. Sure. Right. That's what makes an awesome one. Yeah. It, have you seen Now You See Me? It's terrible. It's awful. In fact, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about another topic, obviously my topic uh, next. I almost included this movie in my topic. Yeah. Because it, uh, we're going to be talking about terrible endings. Terrible movie. Mark Ruffalo at the end, that was absolutely stupid. But in Now You See Me, there are... F- the four of them are all magicians and they all have the same job in the heist. Yes. None of them have a well-defined job from one another. So you're not sure who's going to do what. And all four of them, they had different like quirks, Mm -hmm. they different kinds of magic, which is kind of the point of the movie, but they didn't play off each other to do the heist. They were too independent from one another. Their jobs weren't well-defined. So that's a, an example of a really bad ensemble movie. Mm-hmm. You brought all these characters together to pull off a heist, but you didn't even know they were all in on it together until the very end. Right. And then you were like, well, if that person just didn't do that one thing without talking to the other ones, like this whole, there were so many chances for their plan to go wrong. It just seemed more like happy coincidence that it worked. Yes. And so, uh, Ocean's Eleven did it way better with an ensemble cast. Um, and think of uh, a movie like Logan Lucky, which is my favorite heist movie of all time. Very good. Each person had a really defined job, right? Yep. Uh, like um, Daniel Craig's character, he's the chemistry master that kind of uh, figures out how to blow up the thing to suck the money out and blah, 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 blah. Right. Adam Driver knew exactly what he had to do. Channing Tatum knew exactly what he had to do. All this stuff. You have to give people specific jobs on the team. Um, and they have to play well off of each other. They have to be compliments. They can't all be the same person. Now you see me as a bad yeah. heist movie. So n- <laughs> now you see me as not only just a bad heist movie. There's this... It's like totally unrealistic with right. it tries to bring magic for some reason into the heist, mm-hmm. but they don't even use like real magic, right? right? It's like fake magic. And then but and and then the it tries to be a twist, you know, like the we talked about these twists. There needs to be some mystery. A right. twist mm-hmm. uh, is all, always really good. It tries to do the twist with Mark Ruffalo, the person that's chasing them the entire time is actually in on it. And it's just, it was like trying to be too smart where it was like, that's just dumb. Yeah. Well, and then Mark Ruffles like, I'm actually part of it. Yes, and exactly. Like, what? Uh, yes. <laughs> then yeah. why would you do all, all of this, this other stuff? Yes. And that's what I meant. 
that he had a job apparently, but his job was interfering with the other jobs. I know, I know. It was really dumb. It's really dumb. Um, Yeah, Logan Lucky. If if anybody hasn't watched that one, I think it's free on Amazon Prime. It is so good. It's like it's like Ocean's Eleven, but it's uh, rednecks stealing from NASCAR, right? But I like that one a lot better because. It was more than just a revenge story, right? Mm-hmm. These are guys who were doing something for a purpose. There was a really sweet storyline with him and his daughter. Right, but right. I thought that that one was a lot more emotionally satisfying than Ocean's Eleven was. Even sure. though Ocean's Eleven is also fantastic. Right. So let's talk about some of your other favorite ones. Okay, so other great heist movies. I love Despicable Me. It's kind of a bunch of different heists all Is together. it a heist movie? Well, the whole point is they're pulling off heists one after another, right? I, I, I suppose. And then they come together as a family because of it. And he decides that his family's more important than stealing the moon. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> I I have to be honest. I hate all... I don't. That's like fine. Despicable I like Despicable Me a lot. Uh, National Treasure I thought was super fun. National Treasure is a fantastic heist movie. Uh, in fact, they pull off two or three heists in that one. But yeah. the, the setup to steal the Declaration of Independence. Because it's also a treasure really movie. Well. It's like a you know, it's a treasure hunting movie. Yeah, it's, like an Indiana a Jones. Jones kind of a thing. Yeah. But there are heists within it. And uh, yeah, it's a super uh, satisfying. Yeah, that setup to steal the Declaration of Independence was super good. Can I throw in one? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, have you ever seen Inside Man? No. Oh, is that the Denzel Washington yeah. one? Yeah. I ha- I know of it. I haven't seen it. Uh, you should check it out. It's a anyway. good uh, when it's on TV. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. It's on TV all the time. It's on cable all the time. Gotcha. So anyway, good heist movies. There are bad heist movies. And hopefully we've highlighted the differences. And maybe... And so that way when you and I make our heist movie one day, uh, we'll make a good one. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Let's move on to your topic then. Because this is also good. So my question, Will, is as I mentioned before, I want to talk about endings to a movie. Okay. Because... You'll watch a movie where it's a really good movie, and you're enjoying it, and things are going well. You're laughing or what have you. You're you're there. It's a thriller. You're terrified, and then the ending happens, and the ending could be amazing. And then you come out of that movie theater or watching that movie. That's the best movie ever. Oh yeah, it is so cathartic. To see a good movie that sticks the landing, right. right? When at the end you're like, oh, that was so good! Have you seen a movie that was good 95% of the time and the ending sucked? Oh, yeah. Of where course. it was just confusing. <laughs> where it tried to be too smart for its own good. Yes. Where the ending didn't make any sense whatsoever. Or maybe the ending dragged on too long. It's That's another one. Yep, yep. So... Endings are very important. In fact, have you ever seen a movie that wasn't great, but the ending was great, and so it made the movie kind of elevated the movie? Yeah, I felt that way about uh, Planet of the Apes, the original one. Okay. So that one, the ending, you're like, whoa, they're still on Earth? Right. But the whole movie, I'm like, eh. Okay, the ending, it's a great ending. Yeah. It's it's a a It's iconic. It's, It's huge. Uh, and I actually put that in one of my uh, greatest or best uh, endings. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't no, mean to steal. No, it. no, you're good. You know what's interesting? There's a I in in contrasting that 
looking at the worst endings, you've, you've seen the newer Planet of the Apes uh, that was uh, Tim Burton, oh, uh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ending is it is panned as one of the worst endings of all time. <laughs> it was bad. And what's interesting, if you actually go back and watch the movie, the movie itself isn't terrible. I actually but the, liked it. The ending is awful well it tried to it tried to recreate the magic of the first one by subverting it the other way right and it's just confusing right it doesn't make any sense and then people will have debates about this and they'll they'll go online or whatever they'll talk oh no 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 it was really smart because this and this dude if you have to break down (laughs) an ending you know three pages deep you know in, in this narrative then well, let's all admit uh, we hate the well actually guy. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> it wasn't a good ending, right? As, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, I you, I shouldn't have to sit there and scratch my head, go online. What did the ending really mean here? I don't mm-hmm. understand that. You didn't do a good job with your ending, you know? Right. Um, I will say this is probably one of my biggest frustrations with. Uh, Christopher Nolan movies. Okay. Sometimes his endings, uh, I feel like the ending of Memento was great. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear. It was, it made you think when you leave, when, when once you're done watching the movie, but it's clear and, uh, you understand what happened. So how do you feel about something like Prestige? So I hate Prestige. Okay. Prestige is one of my all time I hate movies. <laughs> Interesting. Because I feel like. It's because you hate David Bowie, isn't I, it? I, no. <laughs> I feel like it's Christopher Nolan trying to outsmart the audience mm. in a way that is just, you, you, you twisted yourself all into a pretzel. And I don't feel like the ending is that smart. People will be like, oh, no, 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 no. Because this is one of those movies where yes. like, no, no, no. Well, actually, this is why this and is I, why this is And so I'm smart. ready to fight you on this. <laughs> and it's, you are just the person you described. I know. <laughs> because do you feel like the ending is very clear? Or so, do you feel like it is confusing? The thing that's interesting about no, no, Prestige. No, I asked you a question. Fair, fair. I think it is clear because if it was clear, why is there so much debate about it? I'm not sure. I feel like it followed the exact formula that the movie set up at the very opening monologue, which is that the whole movie is a magic trick. Well, right. So there are three aspects to a magic trick, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like the ending is the last part of the magic trick. Correct. But what does that even mean? Does that mean that the movie didn't happen? I, it's not that the best the, ending ever. But I, to me, I like it. But I understand why you wouldn't. I, I feel like... Or yes, someone wouldn't. Agreed. I understand that, actually. And that the whole thing was the prestige. Right. Mm-hmm. That that it was a setup, this, and then... Because the turn the at the end was that... Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. You get it. And And then you go back to the... Grandpa telling the story to the mm-hmm. kid, and so is the whole movie uh, just a story? Did it really happen? Well, is that, there really? Yeah, well, I'm not sure. And it's like, well, do you anyway. need a definitive ending for it to be good? Like to me, Inception had a fantastic ending. Okay, Inception has a fantastic ending, and that is different in the Prestige because the Prestige I don't think makes you think. I think it confuses. Okay. 
Inception, I think, makes you think, mm-hmm. right? You leave thinking, what, what, what was the whole thing a dream? Is he in real life? Did the thing fall? And it makes you want to rewatch it. Yes. Right. And right. So I think that is a good ending. In um, fact, I, when I went to see that, I saw that movie twice in theaters. Yeah. Because I had such an amazing reaction the first time I saw uh-huh. it. I saw it. I was living in Seattle at the time. And I'm watching in this theater full of people and that top is spinning and spinning and everyone's just staring at it. And then it cuts to black and everyone at the same time goes, no, (laughs) everyone freaked out. Right, right. And then I I loved it so much. I saw it again with Erica, who I was just dating at the time. Mm -hmm. We went again in the theater. Theater's packed. Same thing happened. And I think that is the state. That's a good ending. ending. That is a good ending. When you get an emotional reaction to an ending every time. And it makes you think. So you're going to walk out of that theater and you're going to be talking about, did it fall? Yeah. Prestige, you're going to be like, what the crap happened? He kept killing himself? It's not going to make any sense. So, real quick, I wanted to talk about uh, some other great uh, endings. So, mm. Usual Suspects. Oh, amazing. Great ending, but the movie isn't that great. No. Like, if you go back and watch the movie, the movie isn't that great, especially on a second watch. But you, but the ending was so iconic. And that's Kevin and Spacey, right? Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the... Putting all the puzzle pieces together, and so that the ending is like, oh, that the two hours now makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's what was going on. It's very satisfying. Um, elevated from a very good. It, ending. it made it worth watching the rest of the Co- movie. Correct. Yeah. Uh, other good movies: Shawshank Redemption. Great ending. It made so, you feel so good. So, and I. Not all endings have to have a twist or have to no. have be, leave you on a cliffhanger or make you think when you're walking out. Shawshank Redemption, it's such a good movie for two and a half hours. There's a lot of ways they could have screwed up that ending. And if they had screwed it up, it would have ruined the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And there's something so satisfying about Morgan Freeman Meeting his friend outside of prison. That, that they were joining, talking about the whole time, yes, right? And joining up again. And I love that they don't even like say anything after. They just see each other. They know, they, they recognize that they're uh, back uh, as yeah. friends. And then you're done. And not like, only that. I don't need to see what it's like. Three weeks later. Correct. Like, end it there, it's over. My actual favorite part of that ending was, so earlier in the movie, he's talking about how he he helps the warden commit fraud to mm-hmm. funnel money away right. into this account. Right. And he has to use a fake name so right. that it's untraceable, right. blah, 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 right? Well, the warden gets in big trouble, gets arrested, and what happens sure. happens. He, who set up the fake account for the money... Then knows how to go and access the money to get him to go get Morton and Freeman, right? Yeah. And so what happened in the movie, it made sense on its own. Mm-hmm. But then when that other thing happens, you see how it was actually setting up the end. Right. And how he all, he got one over on the people who were holding right. him down. Yes. And that was so satisfying. It's a con movie. Right. And it's an escape movie, prison escape. That's There's lots of things that are satisfying about that movie. But I'm just saying the very, very end. Okay. With with Morgan Freeman uh, meeting uh, Tim Robbins in on the beach, right? So, uh, such a feel good moment. It's it's satisfying, and there's a lot of ways that movie could have 
screwed it up mm-hmm. and it sticks the landing. Um, I mentioned the original Planet of the Apes, yep. obviously uh, iconic. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Think about the very last scene where it's in the warehouse. The, the This Ark gets put away in this box in a warehouse and it zooms out and you see all these other boxes. What's your thought? Your thought That's is true. Your huh? thought is, what's in all of those other boxes? You know, <laughs> you, your mind starts going. It's a, it's a satisfying end. Mm-hmm. There's lots of like, and they shouldn't have made any other Indiana Jones movies. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I still like The Last Crusade, but that one was the only other decent one. But um, all of the other Indiana Jones. The so there's two. been there's yeah, been four. There's been four. Two of them were good. Two of them were good. One great. One good. The other two bad. Yes, correct. Yeah. And. Think of and and juxtapose that with worst movies, uh, worst endings. Excuse me, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Such a <laughs> terrible ending, terrible movie. Trail but, above. But, but if the ending was better, it could have saved that movie. But yeah, oh, maybe. Okay, well, okay, it could have elevated the movie. Yes. And made it maybe watchable. It wouldn't have but, been as memeable. But the ending with the aliens and the sky, it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, other good uh, endings, probably one of the best, The Sixth Sense. Wasn't that oh, ending? Incredible. It's, I mean, it. it's amazing. How many people said, uh, that movie in and of itself is just incredible. Right. right? But then the end, when he's dead the whole yes. time, you're like, what? Total mind blow. <laughs> you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. It's so great. It's so satisfying. Uh, juxtapose that to another uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie, uh, Signs, which was a great – I love that movie. Oh, it yeah. It was a really good I really movie. like that one. When you find out at the end – They're allergic to water. Water. <laughs> but they came to a planet made of 70% water. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, does What it? are you – What? It was just so dumb. So, like, so like uh, one of the most iconic uh, stories ever told, both on the radio and in the movie, was mm-hmm. uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? When all the aliens invade, but they get the flu and they all die. War of the world. War of the world. Also said to be one of the dumbest similarly endings. dumb. Yes. right? <laughs> A lot of people feel like that's one of the was also one of the dumbest mm-hmm. endings. Um, uh, lastly, I was just going to say, I am Legend uh, was. A really good movie. I, I I remember watching it in the theaters, being on an emotional roller coaster, laughing, terrified, oh, yeah. sad. When uh, he's when his, freaking when his out, dog at the, dies, and when he's freaking out, the mannequin that oh. that legitimately disturbed me. Yes, there, yeah. it is a very good movie. And then the ending just was terrible. There's a director's cut with an alternative ending. That was actually pretty good. I've seen it. And, I liked it a lot better. And <laughs> why they didn't go with it, I don't know. Uh, and I, I should say, I, I lied. Last, I will say, worst movies, Grease. Oh, when yeah. I saw this on a lot of people's endings uh, for bad endings. And I was like, why was that so bad? Because the moral is bad. <laughs> I guess. The moral is bad. Right, she changes all of her morals to to be <laughs> to be what with he, the guy. I'm going to give up on my morals, start yes. smoking, wear tight leather pants. Yes. Well, the, what's so funny is she, yeah, she stuck to her morals the whole time and realizes that what she needs to do is be exactly who he wants her to be, right, and not who she wants uh, to it's be. A, it's a it's terrible. A, it moral. is a terrible, but worse than that, wor- even worse than that. Ending part of the ending. Do you know what happens in the very last scene? 
Yeah, well, they get into Grease Light into Grease Lightning, the car, and the car flies away. Flies away. I don't remember this at all. Yes, I forgot about it too. I had to go onto YouTube and watch. It. I was like, no, that did not happen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, they get man. into the car and it flies away, and they're waving down at the people below them. I don't remember this at all. I know. I totally forgot about it too. And it was like. Nothing in the movie was about flying cars or mysticism. It just turns into Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty Bang Bang at the end. They're in a freaking flying car. What the? What is that? Why? Is the whole movie is grounded in a high school musical yeah, singing yeah. and dancing? And the car flies away. I had. I do not remember this. For it, the life I, of I me. didn't either. I had to go look it up. It, it wow. in fact happens. What a terrible, stupid ending. Why would why it, would they do that? Why would they do that? I have no idea. That's my question. Wow. Yeah. That has to be the worst. Oh, my god! Flying gosh. away in the car. It's just like, it's, <laughs> it's, you may as well, that, they may have as well ended Jurassic Park that way. Like, <laughs> Can you Jurassic Park, their dinosaurs and everything, instead of getting into a helicopter. Imagine if at the end of the car. It's the freaking DeLorean, and they go, they speed up to 88 miles per hour, and they they get out. You know what would have been an amazing ending, though? If the Velociraptors are about to eat them, and then Grease Lightning flies in and <laughs> smashes into That the would have been a good ending, actually. That would have been good. Turns out they're in the same universe. All right, well, let me list off some of my best endings and worst, and we'll get out of here. Okay. But we already talked about one. Inception was a fantastic ending. Yep. The Graduate. Is you like icon- this one. So this is iconic. It's iconic. Do you like it? I like it. It's depressing. It is. It's very depressing. But I like it because it's so well acted. Yes. So it is well acted. They just ran out of the yep. wedding, right? And they get in the car and then they slowly realize what they've done. Done. And that maybe that wasn't a good choice. Yes. And then the movie ends. Yes. Right? I like that. I like that there are... Because a lesser movie would have had them run off, get in the car, and end. Right. But the fact that there's consequences to their choice, I think, uh, gives it a good weight. I like that end. I like it. Uh, Paddington 2. I'm sure everybody's sick of me talking about this movie. Yes. The ending's so good. Okay. I cry every time. This is controversial. I disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> with this. I <laughs> threw up a little bit when I read it. I like the ending of Star Wars Episode 3. I think it's terrible. fantastic. I got the high ground. Wait. It's ter- It's dumb. Because <laughs> you know he becomes Darth Vader. That right. part's not surprising. Okay. So what's good about it? But show it, seeing how torn up Obi-Wan Kenobi is about it, I think is really emotionally compelling. When he's like, stop it, what are you doing? And then he cuts off all of his arms, or his arms and his legs. And then he lights on fire because of the volcano. And then Ewan McGregor can't bring himself to kill him, right? And then he forgets who he was in <laughs> right. the next movie. As I'm, they never- <laughs> I'm not saying that continuity-wise it's great. But I feel like Ewan McGregor does a great job. And Hayden Christensen, to his credit... Dies very well. He doesn't die, but (laughs) he just shows how hate completely destroyed him. Right? He is just fueled by nothing but rage at the end. I wouldn't put it on my top five, but okay. But I I really like that. Worst ones. Worst ones. uh, Maze Runner Scorch Trials. 
I actually liked this movie. Okay, but the book, I read the books and I hated the endings of the book, so I couldn't go back and watch the movie. So, so other the, than the first one, the first one was really good, but I couldn't watch it. I liked the first movie a lot. So I saw the second one and it was going well. Okay. I mean, it's not amazing, but right. it was going well. And then the ending starts setting up this thing. And I thought it was going to be so amazing. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the movie, there's a kid that gets bitten by one of the zombie shadow sure. creatures or whatever. And he ends up dying. They leave him with a gun. And then they're walking away. And then you can hear the gunshot go off. Right. right? Um, and so it's really sad. And it's really poignant. Then at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. a girl starts talking about her brother that was forced to be in the maze and that she hasn't seen him since and that she loves him so much and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she goes to get a picture of him. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's going to be the kid from the beginning of the movie that, that killed himself, mm-hmm. right? Nope, just some other dude. I was like, you had a chance. To be good. To have an amazing cathartic ending right. where it added extra weight to what happened before. Because you had no idea who this sure. kid was before. Sure. So now that death would have meant even more. Right. Because now he has to start off this relationship by lying to her. Right. Right? That he doesn't know who that person and, is. And they they They, they completely whiffed. Whiffed on it. I was like, how did you not complete that? Anyway. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. It's the dumbest ending ever. It's not a good ending. He ends up in a subway in the middle of nowhere where bloody baby Voldemort's dying under a bench. And they're like, do you want to become alive again? He's like, sure. And he yeah. just does. Uh, terrible ending. Super dumb. Uh, Divergent. That movie's just awful all around. But the ending made me laugh out loud so hard that people told me to be quiet. That's the only time that's happened to me. But Lord of the Rings. The uh, Return of the King. The last one. Okay. Amazing movie. The ending was so long. Just it like is the long. En- just like the end of the segment. This is a really long <laughs> segment. You went way over. But I I disagree real quick. I'll just say I think it's actually a pretty good ending considering um, what it had to tie up. It could have been shorter. There's like five different endings. Yes, but they're trying to tie up everything. And so at least it's satisfying in the terms of everything is complete. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are lots of movies, and maybe that's a to a fault, but there are lots of movies that leave you unsatisfied because they didn't tie up all of the story ends, you know? And at least with, with that, you feel satisfied that the movie is over. Fair. But I really had to pee, so <laughs> I wish they ended sooner. Now, something else you've done with this topic, Trevor. Mm. Next week, we're going to talk about best and worst post credit scenes. Because I consider those different than movie endings. Is there enough to talk about? Oh, yeah, there's plenty. With post-credit scenes? Especially with Marvel. All right. But there's plenty. All I've right. got some good ones for okay, you. Okay, here we go. But let's move on for now to something else. Let's do it. Something else. Huh? Uh, Trevor, I wanted to let you know of something that I haven't told many people. And now I'm going to blast to all over anyone all over the internet. Okay. Well, I, hey, it's just you and me here, buddy. Uh-huh. I feel honored that you would divulge uh, this information. I trust, and trust with uh, with with this information. Yeah, I will. <laughs> the level of <laughs> I will, of course, be respectful. Thank you. Uh, I feel like this is a safe space. I will validate. 
Um, Whatever comes out of your mouth. To tell you that I have a strange fear of sunflowers. Of sunflowers. Yes. Like the actual sunflower, (laughs) the plant itself, the sunflower. The sunflower. Okay. Describe a fear of. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to talk about phobias and how they're formed, how they're weird and all this stuff. But I have a really strange phobia, an irrational fear of sunflowers. They Their heads can get really big. They can weigh over 100 pounds. Did you know that? The heads on I, the sunflower? I'll be honest, I did, not, I did not know that, no. So when I was a kid, okay. um, my grandpa and my grandma were serving in an LDS mission in Albany, New York. Okay. Okay. And anybody that's been to Albany, it's kind of just this little town where the there's some government buildings and things, but then there's a lot of wide open fields too. Mm. Okay. There was a giant sunflower uh, field next to one of the houses. And my brother pointed out to me that the heads actually move during the day. Yep. They follow the sun. And that freaked me out. I'm like, why do they do that? And okay. then I noticed how big those heads are. Sure. And I was like... How old were you? That is scary. Yeah. I was like 11? Okay. 10 or 11? Sure. All right. And it just made me feel like these things are like living creatures that like their heads move. And like, what if they started talking? Uh-huh. What if they like hated me? What if they tried to kill me? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just where my little mind went. Right. right. And you're ever since then, I've just had this weird anxiety about sunflowers. So, what happens <laughs> if you were to come around a sunflower? So, there's some sunflowers if, up the street fr- from here. Okay. And I just keep my eye on them while I'm watching because I don't want their heads to slowly move and watch me like they do the sun. This is a real thing. Yes, this is a real, real thing. I'm not joking. If I brought you a sunflower. I wouldn't like it very much. Would you hold it? I could hold it, but I'd keep my eye on it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, I wouldn't look away. I'd want to make sure it doesn't try to, like, bite me or anything. Okay. <laughs> Tell me when I can go. Yeah, go ahead. Right. I realize it's ridiculous and it's a little silly, and that's why I wanted to bring no, it up. No, Will, it's not silly at all. No, <laughs> I know lots of grown adults. That are scared of foliage? uh, That are terrified of sunflowers, uh, naturally. Uh, Totally, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, thank you. Um, You were actually being way better about this than I thought you were. Well, I mean none of it. How could you be afraid of a sunflower? I, okay. That makes sense mm-hmm. for a 10... I mean, even as a 10-year-old, I think you're a little too old to be afraid of sunflowers. Sure. Especially considering that they aren't going to eat you, and as a 10-year-old, you should know that. Right. Uh, however, or or that they're alive and watching you, um, your brother should have clearly explained that they're following the sun mm-hmm. and have no interest in you whatsoever. Well, I don't think he was saying they were following me. He right. was like, yeah, their heads move. Right. I was like, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I'm confused why an adult now, I mean, as a 10 year old, okay, I think it might be a little old, but not the strangest thing. Sure. 
why, as an adult, do you still carry this irrational fear? So, because is, it's clearly irrational, correct? Right? And this is a good question. Is it is it irrational? I mean, because that's what a phobia is, right? It's it, it's an irrational fear of something, okay. right? And uh, I'm going to go into a little bit of how they're created and then why they last. Okay, so. A lot of people are scared of things like falling, right? Or they're scared of dangerous animals. Uh, like if they see a bear, people sure. want to run away from I a mean, bear. I mean, yeah, but that's, right? in, that's instinctual. Correct. That's also, yeah, that's... Those could be considered you would phobias. Be, you, would be a, you would be an idiot Correct. if you were around a bear and weren't somewhat terrified, right? Or <laughs> right. tried to get out of there of some sort, right? Like people would say if you're in an elevator, in a glass elevator, and you can see down, that being scared of that is irrational, right? Because theoretically, you're in a nice sealed box. Right. But instinctually, right, our lizard brains look at that and like, I'm going to fall to my death, right. right? Right. Those are really common, and it's obvious why people have them. Now, some people have them more than others. Some people can't live in houses with an upstairs, right? Right. Things like that. But uh, fear of falling, fear of dangerous animals, uh, fear of being poisoned, or fear of sick people, uh, those are things that... Fear of old people. Right. That's a common one. Uh, things uh, like that are kind of built into the human experience, or built into our instincts, I should say. Oh, I said fear of old people as a natural <laughs> one. That's not a natural one. That's no, a phobia. but a fear of death is natural, sure. right? Uh, some are due to trauma. For example, if a dog bit you when you were a little kid. Okay, right? that makes sense. That carries with you because that's an experience you had and now you're afraid that that will happen again sure. in a similar situation. Um, or it's Oftentimes, people who are claustrophobic, right? That's an that's a common one people have, but people who are really claustrophobic, it's because they were stuck in something closed when they were a kid. Mm -hmm. Like their friends locked them in a chest or something right. like that, and they couldn't right. get out. Right. Stuff like that. So trauma can create phobias, and that's why they stick with you. Okay. So, and then some are of unknown origin. For example, they're agoraphobia, right? Or being afraid of sunflowers. Being afraid of sunflowers. Because at least, <laughs> so it's not innate. No. And it's not, it wasn't caused by past trauma. No. See, and I thought that that's where the story was going. I thought like the sunflower, sunflower broke and fell the head on fell on you nope. and it was a hundred pounds. Just freaks me and out. It pinned you down. I feel like a little bit of ridicule here is warranted. <laughs> of course. And <laughs> it is silly. <laughs> what I what I don't understand is even after like acknowledging it, mm -hmm. it's still a thing. It's still nervous. It's still nerve wracking to me. Do you do you think it's possible to overcome those phobias? Yes. So there's lots there's lots of um, treatments for phobias because sometimes it becomes so extreme that it interferes with your daily life. Sure. Like if you're agoraphobic, but you're a mailman. That's not going to work because right. you got to go out in the in public. You got to deliver the mail, right? Right. Um, or if you're 
you can't be afraid of dogs forever. You got to live next to people with dogs, things like that. Yeah, people. There's a really common one where people are afraid of balloons. Have you noticed? Really? Yeah, I've not heard of this. Yes, yeah. uh, and like terrified of balloons, they they shut down. And a lot of it is, um, and you see this with kids sometimes where mm-hmm. they're afraid of balloons, but that carries over in a, into adulthood. And a lot of people think it's it's from the popping. Oh and yeah, that 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 as a child creates some kind of trauma, mm-hmm. and that that uh, just carries carries on into uh, some into people adulthood. are deathly afraid of amputees, so people missing limbs and things like that. Mm. It really scares them. So Bigots. I, <laughs> <laughs> ableist. So I, I brought up my example as just kind of a silly example, but it's real, right? I'm really nervous around sunflowers. But there are things that people can do to help treat them. And there's two main ones that people use. Um, one is exposure therapy. Now, this is... Have you thought about this with sunflowers? Maybe so, I've been around, around sunflowers enough to where I know it's silly. Does that make sense? And I've, and I've talked about it with enough people that, and they laugh, and I, I know it's just a silly but thing what that about, I'm nervous about. What about to push it further than recognizing that it's silly to where you're actually comfortable? Where it's past. Where I'm not sure. So this is, so the goal of exposure do you think therapy. That you could be around sunflowers enough that you would. Like I'd stop thinking about it? That it would not bring you anxiety. Anymore. Maybe. Because clearly you understand the silliness yes. of it. Mm-hmm. But if you could be around sunflowers enough where you, where the anxiety is now removed. I don't know. So Because I, the fact that their heads move just. Freaks me out. So I saw this video where this guy was a had a phobia of spiders. Okay, and he overcame it by working and handling spiders. Yeah, and and, and it's just that exposure where the anxiety is no longer there. So people do this with dogs a lot, uh-huh. right? Where they'll bring in therapy dogs who are trained for these situations, right? Um, come in. And the people will – the first step is just being in the same room as the dog, right? And then the next step is actually like looking at the dog. And then the next step after that is like uh, sitting on one end of the couch and the dog's on the other – like sitting down next to the couch mm. kind of deal. Mm. And eventually they can work their way into actually fe- feeling comfortable petting the dog. Mm. Now, what's something that's important with exposure therapy is that the the point of it isn't to then just – love whatever it was that you were uh, afraid of before. It's just supposed to make it so that you are functional um, with that phobia. Mm. So if you're agoraphobic, right, you hate going outdoors, the thought of uh, meeting other people makes you want to just scream and run, right? The, The exposure therapy, the point of it would be you need to be able to go to work, you need to be able to go to the grocery store, Right. You have to go. Your kid wants to go to a movie. You got to be okay in a movie theater, that kind of stuff. Right. It won't be. Now you're the most extroverted person ever. Sure. Understood. So it's really important if someone you know is going through exposure therapy, never expect them to just love and get over whatever it was, but just expect them to become functional in the same room. Makes sense. The other one is reasonable avoidance. Now, this is really important. The word reasonable. So if someone like me was scared of sunflowers, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have to work with sunflowers, right? 
then it could be reasonable for me to live a fully functional life without ever dealing with a sunflower farm ever. Sure. Right? So that's reasonable. Uh, people who are scared of falling out of the 30th story of a building, right? They just can't handle being that high. Working in a situation where you're never above like the second floor, like working for smaller companies, things like that, that's reasonable. So creating reasonable avoidance is good. Hmm. But again, if you're agoraphobic and you can't go to work, that's not reasonable. Yeah, there's no way to avoid it. And trying to do things to avoid dogs, like you move the second that your neighbor has a dog or something, right, that's right. unreasonable. Right, right. So reasonable avoidance is fine. But unre- when it gets to an unreasonable level, that's when it's not okay. And you got to figure out a way to deal with it. But yeah, my, my phobia is silly. But if you do have a phobia out there, there is a way to kind of learn to deal with those. And live a fully functional life, even though you still have some anxiety about that stuff. Yeah, uh, when you when you brought this topic up, I when I saw this topic, I thought I I don't have any phobias that I know of. Any I, uh, outside of the ones you talked about, as far as like, like that instinctual, instinctual yeah. like uh, fear of falling. Um, but I'm not afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. It It is that when you look down, you know, you have the, the pit in your stomach. But I wouldn't even call it a phobia to the sense of where uh, it's debilitating or like that I can't function or, you know, I'm holding on to the ladder and shaking because I can't move, you know. Are you afraid that this is all the Matrix and you're the only real person and everyone you know is a robot? Absolutely terrified. <laughs> hey, Will, are you ready to move on to the next yeah, topic? Yeah, let's move on to your topic. Okay. So... I've been, uh, as you well know, Will, mm-hmm. uh, I've been doing some dieting. Uh, yeah, you recently. look great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm trying to trying to lose some weight and uh, being conscious, uh, health conscious of what I'm eating. Um, it's not easy. No. And I've known, I've, I've yo-yoed mm-hmm. over my lifetime a number of times. I can lose weight fairly easily. Uh, I've been able to uh, do self-control mm-hmm. uh, to lose weight uh, several times um, in, in large quantities. Uh, it's not hard for me. It's also super easy to get fat again. And oh, to, yeah. Uh, to gain all that weight back. It's one of my favorite things. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, I in in 2019 I lost 35 pounds. Wow, in a year. In a year. Uh, in in like 3 months or something like that. Whoa. 3 or 4 months, yeah. Um and then uh, after 2020, once COVID happened and and other events were happening in my life, uh I started eating out all the time. I started slowly um, eating terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had I had lost all that weight entirely by diet change. I wasn't exercising really. I just was cutting out bad things. I, I was I was on a, the keto diet. Okay, and so I knew what was healthy and what wasn't healthy. I knew what would get me fat and what wouldn't. Um, so recently, so now uh, almost a year and a half later, uh, I gained all that weight back nice. and then uh, a couple pounds more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I've already lost more than that and am on track to, to go back to my my goal weight from 2019. Are you sub 200? I am close. Good for you, yes, man. Yes. So um, anyway, I'm I, my goal weight is to be uh, what I weighed in high school. So, uh, wow. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, (laughs) that would be quite the doing for me, for you. So what's interesting is I wanted to talk about why it's so hard for us to make healthy food choices Mm. when we understand, we know very well what is healthy and what's not. We know that getting the extra large fries and the giant milkshake is not healthy and it's not good for us. Yet we constantly reach for those things. Um, so why do our nutritional choices often not follow our understanding of healthy food practices, but rather are often influenced by emotional or social interactions? Mm. Um, and then I wanted to ask you, uh, what are some of your favorite comfort foods? And when in social situ- situations, what do you typically eat? So for comfort food for myself, uh, I love, I'm a sweets guy. I love ice cream. Oh yeah. And I love chocolate chip cookies. Um, I, ice cream I could eat all the time, every day. Uh, something is so satisfying about sitting down at the end of a day and eating a, a scoop or a bowl of of really good high quality ice cream. Your Turkey Hill vanilla. Yes, my Turkey Hill vanilla. Yeah, yeah. And uh I love it. It's it when I eat it, I'm like this is the highlight of my day. <laughs> um Isn't that that's it that's interesting, right? Because it's almost as though we associate the eating of the ice cream with the emotions of feeling better. Yes. Right? Correct. And that it's it's more of a almost a classical conditioning situation, right? Right. Um, you we get into a, a pleasure trap. So sweet uh, sugar gives us pleasure, mm-hmm. right? The, it, it's our brain likes what's happening there, and it's like, hey, this is good. This is awesome. This is you, more of this, and. Um, you're you're getting you're getting that need. Well, it's really hard to turn that off. Oh and yeah, to step away from that. So that's one of my big problems uh, with my diet is I love going to movies and going. One of my favorite things when I was a kid was going to movies with my dad, and we always got popcorn and a drink. And now, if I don't get popcorn and a drink, it actually makes my movie going experience worse. Should it? No. It, the food I'm eating should not impact the, the movie the I'm watching. The movie, yeah. Right. But I feel off if I don't have popcorn and a soft drink hmm. while I'm watching a movie. That's interesting. I just can't do it. Really? And so I always get popcorn and a soft drink. Could I slowly wean myself off? Probably. But the hardest part won't be stopping to eat. It'll be feeling off. It'll be like feeling like I should have popcorn, but I don't when I'm watching that movie. Isn't, that's the weird part to me. There, that is a little weird, but it, it's, I guess I, I say it's weird, but it's really not because we talk about food being, um, influenced by social interactions yeah. or, uh, by certain, um, events, right? 
uh, a football game is on. If, if you invite me over to watch a football game with you, chances are you're not going to be serving salad. No. You're, what are you going to be serving? Mozzarella sticks, chips and queso. Pizza. And then get a soda. Probably. Right? Pizza a lot of times. Yeah. But um, I love mozzarella sticks and queso. Yes. Mm. Also. Chef's kiss. Yep. All, all, <laughs> that's all very good. <laughs> Why isn't it salad? Well, because salad doesn't produce those pleasure uh, uh, it's true. Benefits. In right? fact, it's more those, bitter than those anything. signals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like a good salad. When I I don't mind a good salad. Uh, there is such a thing. I've had them. Oh yeah, but I, if, I like the one from Chick Fil A. But if we're doing one, if we're doing a football game, we're watching a football game together. I'm not going to be reaching for a salad. I want that same kind of comfort food. I want. Uh, a lot of times we look for oils, grease. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we want fat. We're we're wanting the fat. Um, we're looking for donuts and um, desserts. Yeah, we want we want fried food, right? Um, and what's interesting is this is the same. This is a more benign example, but it, Alcoholics Anonymous, their twelve steps. This is some of the steps, right? To start feeling good about being in situations without doing the thing that you used to do, mm-hmm. right? Right. So can you enjoy a football game without a beer, right? That is something important in Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, and it's the coupling of an event Correct. with a food or a drink in this case, right? Yeah. So how do you, how do you keep the same enjoyment while not eating like complete crap? So for you, for the, <laughs> for the movie, right. do you think you could eat something else? Could it be sure? Could it? Could you be eating? I don't want to say carrot sticks because no one wants to eat carrot sticks while watching a movie. <laughs> Correct, it would be and loud. it's crunchy. Yeah, it's but could you be eating something that was healthy? In fact, they even have healthier popcorn, mm-hmm. like a Smart Pop or whatever. Um, could you eat something like that that uh, to wean yourself off? Yeah. And, and- Maybe it's just the salty that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So maybe I could bring a bag of pretzels instead, sure. right? So I'd get, still get the salty, but it's not nearly as bad for me as the 800 pounds of butter that they put on the pop. Right, right. Uh, and, stuff and, like that. Right. Um, or there's lots of like uh, low-calorie type chips or things like mm-hmm. that, right? Um, I've had to do this with keto. So with keto – uh, you, you like no sugar, right? Like I'm allowed 20 carbs a day, 20, 20 carbs is nothing. Yeah. Like, uh, I've eaten pasta twice today. Like, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, like a fun size Snickers bar would put me over 20 carbs. Crazy. I mean, it's like no sugar. So, and, and no bread. Mm-hmm. So uh, your, your uh, bread is of course all carbs. So, I've had to get certain types of treats that are um, sugar-free or sh- they have what's called sugar alcohol that your body doesn't digest. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, sugar alcohols. Uh, and you you switch over to those and you allow yourself a little bit because those still, of course, have calories. So you can't go crazy. But you switch over to those and uh, – and you kind of use that as your way to wean yourself off of your bowl of ice cream all the time. Yeah. And 
you can even get, what's funny is even with that healthy food, you can go down a bad track even, even there if you try to do like the sweet stuff, like, uh, Halo Top ice cream. Mm-hmm. Also, is it's really good. It's low calorie. You can eat a whole pint and, and it, it won't put me over my carb amount. Uh, it's really hard to stop eating at, 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 <laughs> at the recommended, at, at the recommended yeah, yeah. amount. And for me, I have to like portion out. I have to scoop it out and put away the pint. If I sit there with the pint or the bag or whatever, I'll just keep eating. Um, we get into these uh, habitual uh, methods of eating. Right. Um, we have to, we really have to have the self control to portion out um, and, and, and use some discipline. For me, what, what I really, what helps me, Will, mm-hmm. is if I've known I've done all the work all day long, and at nighttime, that's where my cravings come typically of wanting to have a snack or a treat after my kids are asleep. I don't want to undo all the hard work I've done right. uh, adhering to my diet during the day and screw it up at night. And so that kind of helps me give me the, the extra boost to go. But And this is my biggest problem okay. with dieting and eating healthier. I know what my issues are as far as eating goes. I know that Americans have a portion size problem. Right. right. I, and I know that there are tricks to it. For example, you'll always fill up your plate. So people recommend buying smaller plates, right? Or uh, plates with kind of like kids' plates that are portioned. Sure. So you know where to put your – fill this whole thing up with fruit. Fill that whole pocket up with veggies. Right. And have sure. your meat, right? There are lots of things I could do. Here's my biggest problem. Okay. Is I want to eat the popcorn more than I want to lose weight. That is my biggest problem. And I think that, I mean, we're out of time, but that was my original question essentially yeah. is we know what is healthy. We know what we should do. So why do we still reach for the popcorn? Why do we still reach for the bowl of ice cream? Right. I think it's because we want to. Right. And there aren't enough cultural incentives against it. This do you, is. Do you think you'd be happier? Weighing less. Yes. And I know that there are a lot of medical complications that come with obesity, right? right? Which I have you officially to, made it into the category you, of. You want to be around when your kids are older. Correct. And so even with all of that. Now, I'm, I'm not in the morbidly obese category or anything. Some people have never met me may think I'm this gigantic lard man. But um, I, but you I, I know all of these things. Oh, of course. I, I'd i have 40 pounds to lose to get under 200. Okay. Is that doable? Yeah. Like, if I if I stuck to even just a reasonable portion size, after two years, I'd probably hit it, right? Um, but I almost think that there needs to be – you remember how Truth.com did all of those kind of guerrilla marketing things about smoking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People knew smoking was bad for them. Right. But it wasn't until it was shoved in their face, real world consequences over and over and over about what this is doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That people were like, I really should stop, right? Yeah. I think something similar should happen with obesity. Do I, do I think that it is somehow their responsibility that I'm fat? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think that culturally, I don't think it's uh, it's been taught enough that 
this is how you get there, and these are the problems once you get obese, right? Well, and now we are in a culture where we're afraid of uh, of hurting people's feelings that uh, yeah. are, are overweight. We we want to because we do because people that are have been overweight have been uh, shamed or ridiculed for a long time, and we don't want to put people down. We are we're in a society where we want to uh, almost want to, to a fault at this point, oh, right? Well, certainly, <laughs> but we want to um, insulate everybody, mm-hmm. and and so rather than offend, we um we condone and we say we don't want to say that you need to lose weight because you're great just how you are um and so it it it's a very unhealthy thing because now people aren't going to be incentivized to Correct. lose weight in fact the only time i have lost weight in my life i lost 8 pounds in a month okay because I was reporting back to a lady every week just on what I was eating and if I exercised. What if you report back to the podcast? <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. Well. But I have committed to you. So this is a challenge that you and I are doing. Okay. Okay. And I'll make it official on the podcast. All right. It's official. Uh we're going to do an episode all the way up to, I think, the week before Christmas. And then we'll come back right after. Right after New Year's. Yeah. So we'll take like two weeks off. But on that last episode of this year, uh, you will report back how much weight you've lost. Okay. And I will report back how much I've lost. So where I started. Excellent. And friend. then where I end up. Yeah. So. I'll, t- I'll tell you where I started. Because I didn't say where I started. No. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you where I started and uh, yeah, where I ended up. So, And that's hard. Because I, I when I was at my heaviest three months ago. That that was the he- that's the heaviest I've ever been, and it was one of those things. Like I too, I enjoyed the ice cream too much. It was yeah. like this is all I have, you know. <laughs> this is the only thing I have to look forward to. And now you have a podcast with me, and now I have a podcast with you. There we go. And that brings us to the end of the best episode we've ever done. Certainly this week. <laughs> this <Certainly>. week, <laughs> it is most definitely, definitively the best one. If any of you have good um, movie heist suggestions, like great movie heist, great heists in movies, I want to hear them. If you guys have interesting phobias you want to tell us, if you guys want to get off your chest other things you hate that broadcasters say, feel free to email the show um, at the email address in the outro. We love getting the emails. We love reading them. They crack me up. In fact, if you're funny enough, I'll just read whatever you have to say on the podcast. But it's been a pleasure tonight, Trevor. Yeah. I hope you have a great evening. Yep. See you all later. Hey, we'll see you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sports, Screens, and Something Else. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and sharing it with your friends. Be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen. If you want to contact the show, you can send an email to sssheshow at gmail.com. And join us next time on Sports, Screens, and Something Else.